Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Through our sermon series called Fearless, we've been imagining our life without fear, but we can do more than just imagine. We can use the promises that God gives us in his word to truly live fearless lives, even when those fears are about what's going to happen before I die. In life's final moments, it's the promises of Jesus that we hold on to and cling to. I know that you all recognize this, and, and I probably have taken it for granted more often than I care to admit, but it is truly a blessing, isn't it, to live in a city like Madison where the health care that we have access to is so wonderful. We have a world-renowned hospital the University Hospital. We have two other hospitals just really literally down the road from here that also provide great care. But one of the things I didn't realize is being a pastor in Madison would give me the opportunity to have phone calls made to me to say, listen, I have a member from my congregation who's there in Madison and they could use a pastoral visit. Would you go over and visit them in the hospital? Of course, I like to do those kind of things. In the last two weeks, I've had an opportunity to go to the hospital twice for those such phone calls. Both of the people that I visited were in the late stages of cancer and nearing death. There is something about being at the bedside of someone in life's final moments that has this bittersweet kind of idea behind it. I don't relish being there when I have to see the pain of that the person is going through, the sorrow of knowing their life is about to come to an end, that they're leaving loved ones behind. I, I don't relish watching the, the tears of the loved ones who know that the person that is in the bed is not going to be on earth with them much longer. But it is rewarding to be able to pray before I walk into one of those hospital rooms, Lord, use your word. Let the words that come through me give comfort to this person, to this family as they face life's final moments. Can I tell you this? In my experience of being able to do those kind of things, I walk away from that hospital room with strength from God for myself. I've just gotten to witness how a person's faith holds up under the most trying of circumstances as they recognize that yes, they can be fearless in life's final moments because of the promises of Jesus. It gives me confidence that when that day comes, and if we're honest, we all know the day is coming at some point, that we too can face those final moments with the confidence that God alone gives. That's what Jesus is teaching us in the verses before us from John chapter 11 today, that we can live fearless in life's final moments. And Jesus might say to us today, there's two reasons that we can do that. First of all, we know where we're going. And then secondly, we know who is waiting there. Listen again to Jesus' words to Martha in John chapter 11, these beautiful words. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That statement, 
I am, as Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We find that several times through the Gospel of John, these special statements that Jesus makes that begin with those two words, I am. Literally, it takes us all the way back to the burning bush where Moses stood before God and asked who is sending him to lead the people of Israel out. And God's answer was, I am. I am who I am. As Jesus made these statements, they gave us they give us a special insight. They let us zero in on some of the blessings that God wants us to have through our Savior Jesus. You maybe recognize some of these. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. You are the branches. And then the one before us today. I am the resurrection and the life. To understand why Jesus was saying these words, we might have to back up to the start of chapter 11 of John. And we didn't read it all today, but might I encourage you to read John chapter 11 during the course of the week? It's a beautiful chapter. Because Jesus and his disciples are away from Jerusalem and they find out that Lazarus is sick, but Jesus waits. He waits to go visit Lazarus, and while he's waiting, Lazarus dies. He tells his disciples that it was for their benefit and for God's glory that he waited. And so they make their way back to Jerusalem to visit Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, who we know from another story in Scripture where they're preparing a meal for Jesus and Martha is the busy one as Mary sits at Jesus' feet. But it's the response of Martha that I want to zero in on today. And sometimes because of that event where Martha was sitting or was busy making everything ready for Jesus while Mary was sitting at his feet that we might sometimes have the wrong impression about Martha and her faith. And in this section of scripture, we get to see how God-fearing she was. She actually meets Jesus as he's coming to visit and she says to him this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Isn't that amazing for her to say that? And then Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. To which Martha says, I know. I know he'll rise again at the last day. It's almost hard to believe, isn't it? In the midst of her sadness, in the loss of her brother, what Martha is clinging to is the promise that there is going to be a resurrection from the dead. She holds on to Jesus and his promises even during this trying time. I guess I can't say for sure if every single one of you here has experienced the sadness of losing a loved one, but I know most of you have. I know the sadness that comes with that. I know the frustration of knowing that this is not how God intended life in this world to be, that sin ruined God's perfect world. And, and, and when I'm truly honest with myself, I know that, that the wages of sin is death. Sin's wages are what death is all about. And I wish I could stand before God and say to him, God, I've done everything perfectly. Never once have I had an un- impure thought. Never once have I spoken an unkind word. And for that reason, you should bring me right into heaven. But I know and so do you, that we deserve sin's wages too. That the wages of our sin is death. So I have a question for you today. Which would you rather attend? A wedding or a funeral? Maybe there's some people out there that 
are thinking really deeply and they're like, I think he wants us to say funeral, so maybe I'll say that. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But, but is it fair for me to say this? Most of us probably, at least initially, would rather go to a wedding. We'd rather go to a wedding because it's joyful. It's a husband and wife being joined together, starting a new life together. It's a happy time. There's excitement. And yeah, it's great to be a part of that celebration. Funerals, at least initially, are usually marked by the sadness of loss, mourning, wondering what life is going to be like without this person that meant so much to you in your lifetime. Would you be surprised to know that Jesus actually connected those two things, funerals and weddings, in one statement and elevated funerals to the same level of joy that we experience at weddings? He did it with these words from John chapter 14. You probably know them. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Maybe at first glance you're saying, well, I don't understand how that has to do with weddings. And it's because of our culture. It's because of the way that we celebrate weddings today. But the people to whom Jesus spoke those words initially understand perfectly what Jesus was saying. You see, when a husband and wife were betrothed, when they made a promise to each other, what the husband did next is prepare a place for he and his bride to live. Oftentimes, that was right in the homestead, the father's house. And so Jesus' promise is laced with ideas about weddings and marriages. And so what would happen is the husband would prepare that home and then he would come to his wife's family's house, take her home to live with him and they'd begin their new life together. You see what Jesus is saying to you and to me? He's our groom. We're his bride. And he's waiting for us. He has a place prepared for us in his father's house where he is waiting to take us to begin our new life with him. See, that's why Jesus can say to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. It's Jesus who is the source of life. And Jesus proved it. If you keep going in John chapter 11, Jesus makes the journey out to Lazarus' grave. And you might remember that Jesus cried. He wept at that grave of Lazarus. You see, Jesus understands. He understands the pain of loss. He understands what we go through when a loved one dies. And then Jesus hears the warnings as people say, no, 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 don't roll the stone away because Lazarus has already been in the grave for four days and, and by now it's probably not smelling too good in there. But Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave. And in that miracle, Lazarus being raised from the dead, Jesus proves to you and me that he has the power over death. But he took it one step further, didn't he? Jesus went and left his tomb empty. You see, that picture of Lazarus rising from the dead was a snapshot of what Jesus did on Easter Sunday morning. What we celebrated just a few weeks ago. The victory of Jesus that becomes our victory too. Jesus promises you that in his Father's house are many rooms, that you too are going to rise to live, that he's coming back to get you. How do we know that we can trust those promises? Simple. If Jesus' grave is empty, then his promise is not. 
You see, Jesus rising from the dead is your guarantee and mine that yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The proof that you need that your sins are gone, that the wages, the debt of sin has been paid, the proof that you need that you're right before God is found by peering into a tomb that Jesus vacated on Easter Sunday morning. That's your proof that God is going to raise you from the dead and that you will live forever with him. Jesus says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Yes, even at our death right now, the soul goes on living. But then Jesus promises that on the last day, soul and body will join together. He asks Martha a pretty pointed question, doesn't he? Do you believe this? It's the same question I got to ask both of those people that I visited in the hospital in the last two weeks. Do you believe this? As I read John 11 to them, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Listen to Martha's answer. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus' question really lays it on the line, doesn't it? Martha, what is it that changes everything that's going on here? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And Martha's confession is spot on. She recognizes Jesus as the one who came into this world to destroy the power of death, to wipe away sin forever, and to give us the hope, the sure hope of an everlasting life with him. So Jesus' question comes to you today. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that you will continue to live even though you die? Can I ask you to stop and think for a moment about the advantage we have over Martha? No, I know Jesus isn't standing right in front of us and making that promise, but we know a Jesus who died. And even more, we know a Jesus who was raised to life. We have testimony. Literally hundreds of people who have given their testimony about the fact that Jesus is alive. Not just the few women that went to the grave that first Easter Sunday. Not that band of chosen men that Jesus had around him. But hundreds. Do you remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul actually says this about Jesus' appearances? That he appeared to over 500 people at one time? Those are the people who have passed on their testimony to us that our Savior did not stay in a grave. And because he left that grave, every one of his promises is something that we can count on. That's what gives us courage to face our death, to face life's final moments, knowing that our times are in God's hands. We know it's safe to die because we know Jesus is waiting on the other side. The one who already defeated sin, death, and the devil for us is waiting to welcome us home. Yes, Jesus has a place prepared for you and me in heaven and that's what prepares us in life's final moments. Listen to how the Apostle Paul described this again from that great resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 as he's talking about the resurrection. He says this, But each will be resurrected in his own order, Christ as the firstfruits and then Christ's people at his coming. It's why Jesus could say, Because I live you also will live. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I will be raised too. Here's some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, we are confident in life's final moments because Jesus has a place ready for us. 
Paul wrote it this way to the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Number two, we are confident in life's final moments because Jesus rose from the dead. The writer to the Hebrews says it this way, Jesus shared our humanity so that by the one who showed his power over the de of death, Jesus, he would destroy the devil's work and free those who all their lives have been held in slavery from the fear of death. Finally, number three, we are confident in life's final moments because Jesus is waiting to welcome us home. It was the Apostle Paul who could say this in his second letter to Timothy, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. It's kind of refreshing to visit someone in the hospital who is hours or days away from death because of where the conversation goes. There really isn't a lot of time to talk about the weather or how your favorite sports team is doing or the semester finals that you have coming up and how those are going to go. Not that those things are unimportant, but they tend to not have much importance when the end of life comes. And in both cases, the people who I visited had the same question. What's it going to be like? What's death going to be like? What's going to happen to me? And I had to answer honestly and tell them, I don't really know. I don't really know. But I know what Jesus says. I know he promises that he's the resurrection and the life and who, whoever believes in him will live. And then I remembered a story that someone had shared with me years ago that I used with both of the people as they were waiting for Jesus to come and take them home. Story of a doctor back in the day. Maybe some of you remember that doctors used to make house calls. And this doctor, as he made his house calls around his town, he would take with him his trusty pet dog. And one particular visit, he was visiting someone who was getting close to death and he left the dog outside the bedroom and went in to visit the patient. And the patient said to him, Doctor, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's waiting on the other side. And just at that moment, the doctor heard the dog whining at the door and scratching a little bit to get in. The doctor thought to himself, do you hear that? Do you hear that, he said to the patient? That's my dog, trying to get into this room. He has no idea what's on the other side of that door. He doesn't know what's in this room, but he knows who is in this room. He knows I'm in here, and that's enough for him. And isn't that the point of being fearless in life's final moments, too? We don't know what death is going to be like. We don't know how it is that we're going to die, but we know who's waiting on the other side. We know our Savior is there, and that's enough for us too. It's what fills us with the courage to know that it's safe for us to go home to our Heavenly Father. As we heard sung just a little bit ago, I'm not home until I'm home with him. That's what Jesus wants for you, to welcome you home to the place he's prepared for you forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.